Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 24th of July, 2014. Half the hosts are here. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO wasn't able to join us today. However, we got like a total treat. We have the good sense of GenSense. Uh, Jennifer Slag, publisher and editor of the SEM Post. And um, arguably the person who kind of popularized the... Uh, the AdSense system. Um, yeah, yeah, that AdSense system. Jennifer Slag from the SEM Post, welcome. Thank you so much for sitting in on Webcology. Thank you for having me, Jim. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's a total treat. And as, especially since, um, since you've recently started publishing a new magazine in the space. Um, one written, you know, like by practitioners for practitioners, the SEM Post. Congratulations on that, eh? Thank you very much. It's been going really well. I've got some great writers on board. Some have already started, and some you're going to see popping up in the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. Okay, um, just uh, disclosure for the audience: I am one of those writers. I haven't written for a long time, but when Jen asked if I wanted to write for this, I jumped at it, and I'm really glad I did. Um, but I got, I got, I got to ask you before we go before we go further, Jen. Um, it's a totally competitive field. There's not a lot of profit in web publishing. Um, what are you doing? What, 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 what made you do this? Well, I had been writing for Search Engine Watch for quite a while. And when I was thinking of leaving there, I really still wanted to write. I was really enjoying it. I was getting a lot of personal traffic from it as well. A lot of people were following what I was saying. And it just seemed natural to kind of start up my own thing and uh, bring some people on that I thought would be... Uh, people that people wanted to read from, like I'm targeting as more an advanced type content. So it's stuff that's going to be interesting to people who've been in the space for a long time. So it's n- you're not going to see the you know SEO 101, what's a title tag kind of stuff. You're going to see stuff that's going to go diving down a lot deeper into some of the issues and you know some of the techniques and stuff as well. So how's the experience been so far? Like um, it's been what three weeks now? You've been publishing? Yep. It's been good. You know, it's been, you know, I've broken a couple stories, which is always nice. And, you know, a lot of people are really supportive. A lot of people are retweeting and sharing on Facebook and leaving lots of comments. So, so far, that end of it's been really, really positive. Excellent. You're getting great readership. Um, it, it seems to have, uh, it, you know what, it seems to have resonated. This, there's a want in the industry for this magazine. Yeah, it's uh, getting a lot of good feedback, especially because we are doing more advanced stuff than, you know, a lot of the other sites are, you see some advanced stuff, but you see a lot of basic stuff as well. And the commentary is really uh, popular as well. Like, I know people really loved your commentary that you wrote uh, last week, I think it was. And Greg Jarbo did one uh, that everyone's been really loving as well. He did that earlier this week. So, yeah, that definitely seems to be a need for it, and I'm glad I'm able to fill it. Well, it, 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 you mentioned that you broke, that you broke a couple of stories, because actually, um, just minutes ago, before going to air, you 
You're the first English publication to publish a story that happened in Brazil. We're going to touch on that in a few minutes. Um, you had mentioned uh, Greg's story on uh, the, Pengo, the Penguin um, algorithm update that's being worked on, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes, too. Um, I'm sorry, no, the, he was the one, uh, press releases are Press releases, dead. yeah. Okay, he was the press releases, my mistake, sorry. Um, but there was another story uh, that, that was in the SEM post about uh, a Penguin algo update. I want to touch on that. Um, Facebook is still trying to crack the nut of search. They, uh, they wrote about that in InfoWorld this week. Want to touch on that a little bit. Um, oh, you know what? There's just a hundred different stories that happened this week. I'm not even sure where to jump in. So let's, um, you know what? Let's jump in. We can't get the scoop because you've already gotten the scoop in the SEM post. But we can kind of get get the radio scoop because this hasn't been talked about on English language <laughs> radio. I can say that one hundred percent certain. Um, this is a, kind of a funny story too. So there was a a video that went viral in Brazil. I'm, I'm Jen. I'm going to let you explain the, the total background, but I just want to sort of sort of give the the bird's eye view. This is a lot. This this has to do with. Um, it reminds me of the European right to privacy. A family has gotten Google to remove not just a video, but like they're a plot. They're, they're suing Google to have every trace of this video removed, like yes. everything, every snippet of it. What happened? What is this? So this family in Brazil, they were celebrating a bar mitzvah, and so they had their son do a parody of. What Makes You Beautiful song by One Direction and he's acting out all these scenes and showing off some of his favorite things and his family does little cameos in the video and stuff and because not all the family members could attend the bar mitzvah they posted it online so everyone could see it well of course as viral videos go everyone started sharing it the father a few days later saw what was happening and he took down the video but by that point people had copied it parodied it and it just took on a life of its own. And there, it spawned a ton of copycat videos. And um, it's even on uh, Know Your Meme. And it just kind of went crazy. And this family decided they wanted to sue Google for 30 million Brazilian reels, which is millions and millions of U.S. dollars. And But they, they wanted... Google to pretty much remove every trace of this boy. Um, they asked uh, no. it, it be taken, like any publication that was using the name, the image, voice, video, anything they wanted gone. Except they wanted Google to do all that work. They didn't want to have to provide all the URLs. They expected Google to go and find everywhere this has been mentioned and remove it, which obviously is a huge amount of work. And, you know, to be fair, Google will remove any copyright infringement work if you file a chilling effects uh, DMCA. And, you know, that's been available for quite some time. But it seems that they didn't want to go this route. They wanted the money and to be able to have Google do all the hard work for them, basically. Okay, so they want the money. They want the, the 30 million uh, Brazilian real. And they also want Google to remove every trace of the video. Um, this is because when a viral goes video, most people don't react this way. Most people sort of get into it. But I understand that this kid now needs bodyguards when he goes out in public. Yeah, so apparently he doesn't need them now, but 
when it started, he was pretty much, he became a celebrity in Brazil. Everybody knew his name. Everyone knew the song. And so they were start sending bodyguards around with their son when he was out in public. And, you know, at the end of the day, Google won the lawsuit. They, the courts agreed that it would be impossible for Google to manage to remove all the traces of the song and the video without being provided the URLs. Which, you know, I think that's pretty fair. I don't think people should be able to put it on Google. Hey, I want all mention of me anywhere removed, but I'm not going to tell you where they are. You have to do that. <laughs> well, that, that, that's true, and I totally see that. But you realize how most people would go about trying to find all those URLs, right? I mean, it is pretty simple. <laughs> but for some it's reason, they... Google. <laughs> yeah. And that's just it. I mean, it's... I'm not sure why they the family didn't feel didn't want to just go and do the remove URL thing, other than they wanted a bunch of cash as well. Well, I was going to say my guess is because they weren't getting paid by contract to do it. Um, I'm happy doing all sorts of removal stuff if if I'm getting paid to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, that's a, that's that that was kind of a bizarre story. And the cool thing about the story is a technology wins over silliness, and b Yours is the first printing in English of, you know, of, of uh, uh, what should be a notable text story. Yeah, it was kind of one of those random things. I was reading an unrelated text story on a site, and some people were talking about it in the sidebar. And I'm like, huh, I haven't heard of this story at all, and did some research into it. And, yeah, it's just one of those things I kind of stumbled into. Well, scoop. Right on. Congratulations. Um, and, and just again, for the record, we got the radio scoop, so rock on. <laughs> okay, let's, let's move to another one. Um, you know, I've tried to stumble my way through explaining the enormity of the information in an article that you published. Actually, it was one of your debut articles in the SEM Post. Um, you remember the, the one about Google rewriting quality rating guidelines? Yes. That, um, that post has been read by a lot of people. It's been yeah. passed around, it's been talked about, it's been rewritten a couple of times um, in other publications, and um, again, I've stumbled my way through it trying to explain on the radio what was in this insanely dense article. Yeah, I mean, it was 160 pages of Google basically saying what they, how they perceive quality sites and sites that you know aren't so quality, and... You know, we've seen many versions of this over many, many years, three years now, four years. But this is the kind of the first time that they've kind of rewrote it from the ground up. And, you know, there's definitely they put a lot of emphasis on different parts of how they view quality websites that hadn't been talked about before or had kind of been glossed over before. And it kind of gives SEOs a really good insight about where Google is heading for what they view as what makes a good site and what makes a quality site. Okay, now, there's a lot, again, there's a 160-page document which you uh, boiled down to, I think it came in about uh, 2,400 words. Um, how do you go explaining what was found in that document? How do you explain it to other people? That was on the harder side of things. I actually printed out the entire document and had my highlighter and sticky notes, and probably people would pay a lot of money if they saw just how much information I had written in this document. And I kind of tried to pull out the key points that hadn't been talked about before that Google's putting emphasis on, like this idea of supplementary content. Google wants 
to ha- to see things on the page that are helpful to users, whether it's calculators or nutrition information or um, particularly a lot of emphasis on related posts, which is pretty simple for a lot of people to implement on their sites. Well, there's, uh, there's WordPress plugins that will do that for you. In exactly. Fact. Yeah. So that's pretty simple for a lot of people to do, or even, you know, they can, you know, write a script that does it if it's not a WordPress site. Um, talked about a lot about page design and the role of advertising. You know, we've seen the page layout algorithm where Google was kind of putting emphasis on sites that weren't ad heavy, particularly above the fold. And that's another thing they're talking about in the quality guidelines. You know, are the ads obtrusive? Do they interrupt the content flow? Are they being disguised as being content? You know, are they showing related posts and it's really ads? That kind of thing as well. Now, it's, it's, it's fairly safe to assume that if Google is telling its live reviewers, this is the stuff you want to look for, that these are elements that could be found in, within, the, within all or part of the algorithm itself, right? Yes, and also it could be a sign of what they were doing, planning to do in the future. Because the quality raters are they're rating all these different aspects of a page. And we know Google likes to scale things. They don't like to have to manually do penalties or manually, you know, change anything. They want scale and they want automation. And so it's very likely that they're taking some of these ratings and incorporating it, parts of it, into the algorithm. And then, you know, seeing how well it can handle those specific cases, whether it's the supplementary content or specific types of advertising and where it's appearing on the page. So I think... It's a really good sign of what SEO should be doing for the future. Okay, well, um, up at the uh, the SEMpost.com right now, I'm just going over there to confirm. Yeah, you, um, you've put sort of a header on the page, reads popular post, and that article is leading right now. So, folks, um, the SEMpost.com, if you're looking for it in the archives, the, uh, the original post was dated July 9th, 2014. Um, Google rewrites quality rating guide, what SEOs need to know. Um, like the title says, if you're an SEO, you, you need to know this. So read up on it. We got time for one more story before we got to go to a commercial. Um, what's, a, what's a fun, quick one here? Um, okay. Again, from the SEM post, because we just happened to be at that part of the script. Um, there's a Penguin Algo update happening. There's an article on Google engineers working on a Penguin update. And I, I, I have to admit, um, I haven't had time going to press to, uh, to actually read the full article, but Jen, you wrote it. So there's engineers working on a Penguin algo update. What are they doing? Like, are they sharpening its claws and adding, like, freaking laser beams to it or what? Uh, that's probably exactly what they're doing. You know, we've it's been nine months since we've had the last, you know, update to it. And there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, when are we going to see finally see something? I'm pretty sure nine months is the longest time that's gone between any updates of that algorithm. And so everyone's kind of itching to, you know, when are we going to see something? And it was something that John Mueller said in the one of the Hangouts uh, earlier this week. And he said that the engineers are currently working on it. When we might see it, we don't know. Um, obviously, a lot of people who have been hit by this are anxiously awaiting um, an update so they can see if they've recovered from it. Because nine months is an awfully long time to be stuck in penguin purgatory. Indeed. Well, there was a quote from John Mueller that, that you published, and it's, it's actually it's a little bit of a worrisome quote. What, what, 
What did you think of this when you heard it? Some algorithms are a little more problematic in that we need to double-check the data they generate. For example, the Penguin algorithm is something like that. So that's something I believe that has been almost eight to nine months or, or something. Uh, some people probably know for sure. Well, a little more problematic. Um, what, you know, how, how big of an update can we expect in the coming weeks? Well, I think, um, you know, Google tries to make sure there's no collateral damage. They want to make sure that, you know, they don't release an algorithm and there's some, you know, side issue that takes out a bunch of sites that really shouldn't have been taken out, but it's because of a particular way the algorithm is written. And we've seen that kind of thing happen in the past when they've done algo updates that suddenly, like, an entire niche will drop out of the SERPs for no reason at all. And so... I think it's definitely they just need to kind of make sure that before they unleash something new that it's not going to cause any issues and stuff. Because they do test stuff like this internally as well to make sure that stuff that is ranking that should be and sites aren't disappearing that really should be in the search results because there's nothing wrong with them. And especially this one's trying to catch, you know, a lot of the techniques that, you know, were black hat once upon a or black hat now but were white hat once upon a time. And there's just so many different nuances of Penguin that, you know, it, it is a good thing that they're, you know, testing it and checking it to make sure that, you know, stuff doesn't go sideways. Uh, did I just hear you say stuff that was white hat at one time but now has sort of crossed that uh, invisible moving line? That means, like, people who, you know, maybe, well, maybe they did the last pass over at their site like five, five years ago could suddenly be in trouble. Well, think about guest posting or guest blogging. That was such a big thing for, you know, quite a few years. And now all of a sudden it's an issue, you know, and we can go back years and years that, you know, sharing free articles on those kind of databases was like the thing to do. And that's obviously a no-no now. So it's definitely lots of stuff like that. Okay. So um, people should, I mean, there is a Penguin update imminent. It's a fairly going to be, uh, or assumed to be, a fairly heavy one, given the amount of time since the last one. We know that there are people sitting on pins and needles, waiting to see what's going to happen, and we have to take a break here on web calls. So this gives people a good two or three minutes to check their websites, make sure that everything's clear in case the penguin update comes through. You have time. <laughs> we got some commercials. Actually, you know what? Don't sit and listen to the commercials. They're important. Friends, this is Jim Hedger for Digital Always Media. Uh, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Jen Slegg from the SEM Post. You're listening to Webcology on Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned. Back after these messages. Sit tight and move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at bruceclay.com. 
While some affiliate networks can give you offers, Affiliate Offers Network gives you offers that pay big. Why do affiliates work with Affiliate Offers Network? How about because they work with powerhouse CPAs like Affiliate.com? How about that affiliates get paid every Monday to kick off their work week? Plus, learn how their green bucket system can turn your email, display ad, social, video, or mobile impression into profitable income. Get connected today with Affiliate Offers Network. Call 312-560-0175 or visit AffiliateOffersNetwork.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I signed us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Deeds. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Jen Slag, publisher and editor of the SEMPost.com. Um, and you know what, hey Jen, it's, 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 sometimes it's kind of embarrassing on this show because we, we always go to um, publications that have really high level content. Because I, I, I know Dave Davies from, from Beanstalk SEO and, and, and myself, we're just, we're, we get really tired of talking about title tags and you know meta descriptions <laughs> and stuff right um and we always go to seo roundtable we always go to, to barry schwartz and we mentioned barry schwartz on every show and it's actually becoming a running joke that barry is like an invisible guest on the show every week because we're always going to the roundtable there's great information there but i got a feeling that we're going to the post frequently too from now on um, we've mentioned three stories from the post already, and uh, at the risk of being redundant, I got one more that I want to go through. <laughs> um, but I haven't had a chance to um, to thank Barry personally yet. But I do have a chance to thank you. I'm cribbing from you. Thank you so much. 
You're welcome. <laughs> um, you make my life easier every Thursday. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, this Greg Jarboe, a legend in the search marketing industry. Greg Jarboe, one of the originals, is now writing at the SEM Post. And um, uh, to, to, to go with our kind of morbid theme around SEO... Just happens press release SEO is mostly dead. The uh, title of a... Well, I'm going to get the exact official title. The title of a Greg Jarbo piece at the SEM post. Um, it just so happens that press release SEO is only mostly dead. But um, i got to ask, like... That's cool. The SEO press releases are only mostly what is this, Fifty Shades of Death. <laughs> What's Greg getting at by using the mostly dead analogy in relation to an SEO technique around press releases? Well, we saw press release sites take a complete nosedive in the Google search results. So was it a month or two ago? Yeah. And so everyone's like, "Oh my God, we can't do press releases anymore. It's dead. Nobody ever don't nobody use them." But he's saying that, yeah, it's dead for SEO reasons, kind of. But there's still a lot of value in press releases, as he kind of details. And I love the quote he made that the very end, he's like, I'd say that the press release SEO is slightly alive. If it were all dead, then there's usually only one thing you can do. Go through its budget and look for loose change. And that's kind of what they're, what he's talking about is how you can look at press release, not just from a straight up SEO value from the link from wherever the press release gets syndicated, but from all the other related things, you can benefit from it. Well, well, indeed. I mean, like you mightn't be getting quote unquote page rank value from uh, a press release link, but you are moving a spider. You're informing a search engine and, you know, you even have a chance of having informed that spider that said content suddenly exists somewhere. You even have a chance of getting a placement for that content even though you haven't, quote-unquote, passed page rank with the link. Yeah, I think there's also the benefit is now these press release companies are really taking a closer look at the press releases they're accepting. Before, it was pretty much you paid your money and you could spam whatever you wanted to on a press release. Now, the press release sites are having to like be more you know careful about the press releases they accepted. And it's actually making press releases more valuable in terms of you know, journalists finding information or keeping track of, you know, what's happening in certain market spaces if you're trying to follow press releases. Before there was so much spam that it was, you know, pretty hard to find anything useful. But now it's actually getting to the point where it's useful for discovery again. And I think that's no, really great. I, I, I got to tell you, and I, I, I risk criticizing my publisher here, but I got the headline kind of threw me. And it's the um, is dead analogy. And I just so much is dead in relation to SEO. In this case, I think what Greg is really saying is press release spam is dead, but press release SEO still works. Yeah, I think he wrote it basically hot on the heels of the Clixie article that came out last week or the week before, um, where someone who actually hasn't been in the SEO space for three years, I think he said, wrote an oh, article. That one. <laughs> basically said, is SEO dead? And that's kind of yes. what spawned, you know, all this discussion about SEO being dead again and the death of SEO and, you know. Well, you know what? 
that spawned a lot of death analogies around the industry. There was another one that came up in LinkedIn today. An article, you know, you know, you publish articles in LinkedIn now rather than yep. um, publishing to your blog or publishing them on on uh, on Facebook or in 140 form on uh, on Twitter. Well, now you publish on LinkedIn, and um, a fellow named Ralph Haberich wrote an article: "Is Web Analytics Dying?" Now, Ralph's article is one of those chasing your tail things, which is kind of like, well, this side says it's dying, and this side says we're making more money money than ever. You know, when you read through the whole article, you don't really get what's right, but what you do get is some guy using a link bait headline that makes me go, like, what are we running here, like a death cult? And that Jen, this frustrates the heck out of me. If people want to keep cutting off pieces of their nose to measure the size of their faces, I'm freaky enough to be amused, but I'm telling you, it's not advisable. Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole is something in this industry dead is... You know, it's okay to see one article every once in a while, but it seems like you see one and then all of a sudden there's like 18 more in the space in like the next week or so. And it's like all of a sudden people are like, ooh, let's revisit what's what's dead now. And I think, you know, it's clear SEO is never going to be dead. Press releases are never going to be dead. Analytics is never going to be dead. It's just going to evolve. You, you, you know why I think this happens? And I, I, I don't mean to, to, to go after writers at, at large. I, I honestly, I don't. But I've, I, I think you might get this. I get to sit in both chairs. Eh? Like I'm a writer and I'm also an editor. And in the olden days, we had crusty old editors who would, you know, basically beat you <laughs> up the head if you didn't have your copyright. It was, uh, it was pretty rough. And you know, I, I could imagine if um, now. If Ralph Haberich actually had a crusty old editor, I mean, it sounds something like this. Hey, Haberich! Get into my office, now! <laughs> Haberich, I got more experience in the bottle at my desk than you have in your half-measured life! Link bait headlines are going to make you a laughingstock, Haberich! But, you know, Ralph published on Lincoln, so there's no one to stop him from using an idiot headline. Hey, Haberich! You're a putz! Yeah, <laughs> that's what it would sound like, and it would be awful. But you know what? There was also a sense of quality control. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm old and crusty myself now, but I can't help it. I want quality control back on the web. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we were both in the industry when link baiting, link bait titles became like the big thing. Oh God, we're talking what eight years ago now? It was quite a while ago. And and everyone got burnt out on all those link bait titles, and now it's all the upworthy titles that we're seeing everywhere. And oh, I can't believe what's happening to the web because of that. <laughs> oh, it drives me absolutely crazy. And what's funny is upworthy isn't actually really doing those headlines anymore, and but everyone just calls them upworthy. Headlines. Well, because they Which started it, and they they yeah. they sort of like got burned with this brand, right? Yeah, and I mean. Uh, I know that, I can't remember if it was Clixie or Search Engine Watch, when I was still there, they had an article go out, and the title was a very upworthy title, and what it actually was, was kind of making fun of those titles, but I remember so many of us were like, oh my god, what are they doing publishing this title on Search Engine Watch, you know, because we're, you know, from, from a practitioner point of view, those are the headlines that, yeah, they get clicked on if it's a recipe site or you know some feel good site 
but it's not really going to get clicked on by people like us that are, you know, old and jaded for those kind of techniques. You remember the good old days when guys like Linda Netcliffe would just make stuff up and publish it? I mean, at least that was creative. (laughs) It gets the clicks, right? Gets those page views, gets those ad, ad views. And again, like, I was quite mad at Lyndon when he was doing it, but in hindsight, at least that was creative. Um, yeah, you know, looking back to eight years later, I kind of wish it was still happening. Okay, <laughs> moving on, we have, uh, let's see, I'm trying to figure out which one we should go to, because this, we got a really big, meaty subject, then we have a commercial break, then we have ten minutes. I think we should hit the meaty one. Facebook is, uh, Facebook reported Wednesday it handles more than a billion search-like queries a day. Um, But it still has to work to provide a comprehensive search tool. (laughs) Have you ever done a search on Facebook? Well, that's just the thing. You know, they can spout all these, you know, statistics they want to about how many people are using Facebook search. But really, what are people using Facebook search for? They're doing it to search for their ex-boyfriend from college. They're doing it to search, you know, their teacher they had in high school they're not doing it to search to you know buy their next computer or to you know find a recipe they're really only searching for people and specific businesses and i mean granted they're making a lot of money but i think for them to kind of be like we're a search engine is kind of stretching the truth they're more like a internal search you know something well, recommendation, I think, would be a better f- phrase for how um, uh, 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 Facebook would conduct the search because it's going to go to like your friends and friends of friends and like scrape all their interests and all the stuff that they've done and all the vanity pics and stuff. And an example they use here is friends who like to ski or skiing in Colorado. Well, you know, where's Facebook getting the, that information to make those recommendations from, right? From yeah the information that people provided. So it's, it's a recommendation yeah. thing, not a search thing. Exactly. Um, but given the um, absurd amounts of data, one could argue, and I, th- I think like someone like Cory Doctorow might have argued that this is crowdsourcing at its finest. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true because, you know, it is convenient if you're, like if I'm searching for someone, especially if it's like someone in the industry, for example, And it's kind of convenient where they push the people up to the top that, you know, I have 18 friends in common with or something. And or if I'm looking for a local business and it'll kind of be influenced by who I know that has been there. But, yeah, like you said, it's it's a recommendation thing. It's not they don't have a great search algorithm where they're able to compute if I wanted to look for a new computer or a specific recipe that that aspect of it. And you have your option to search for a web, which I think is Bing, maybe, now? It, it was powered by Bing, yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, they can say they're a search engine, but they're really, yeah, recommendation. Okay, That's now. Kind of stretching. <laughs> off of all these recommendations, Facebook, uh, earlier this week, posted earnings that were much, much higher um, than uh, than people anticipated, specifically from the mobile advertising division. You know, Facebook released this, this new mobile app, what was it, two months ago. And I'm still resisting it because it wants to do some funky things with my Android phone. But 
this new app is become a uh, a revenue a massive revenue generator for them. Oh, I didn't realize that the mobile revenue was strictly from the app. Like, are you talking about the messaging app, or are you just talking about the regular Facebook app? One got bundled in with the other. The regular Facebook app updated itself, and it really wants to install the messaging app, and the messaging app is going to, like, be spying on me everywhere I go, so it scares me. Yeah, I haven't installed the messaging app either, and it's Facebook doesn't like that very much. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps prompting you, right? Yep. Well, it's prompting you because its advertising revenues jumped 67% to $2.68 billion, of which $1.66 billion, or 62%, came from mobile. That was, that was, that was uh, the last quarter, Q2. So, like, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a 62% coming from mobile advertising. $1.66 billion. $1.66 billion. Um, that's, that's worth a couple prompts, eh? Yeah, I mean, having so much of the revenue coming from mobile, it's. I'd be interested to get some more data from advertisers on if they can break down mobile ROI versus you know regular ROI, because a lot of the time I'm like wondering how much of it is could be misclicks on ads and stuff. Because when you you know obviously you're scrolling with your thumb and you're not always that precise, and that's kind of like the big thing with advertising and apps as well is all all those misclicks, and advertisers obviously hate that. Yeah, but no it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm just looking at it now. Their mobile advertising represents 62 freaking percent of their overall reven- avenue- advertising revenue, which is just amazing. I mean, good well, for them. You know, I mean, when we, I, had, we had our doubts about how well their, their advertising was going to pull off when they started doing it. So, well, you know, 1.32 billion users is uh, very attractive to advertisers, eh? <laughs> like, oh, I know. Sure. Hi, we're going to give you one-sixth of the world's population. You want it? Yeah, I mean, but you know, also, advertisers are being, you know, brands are being forced to advertise because obviously they're, they've reduced the, um, the number of, you know, if, I'm, if I have, a, like, the SEM post, for example, the organic mm-hmm. um, views on those are being severely reduced for any Facebook pages. And so a lot of those Facebook pages now are f- being forced to um, advertise and they've made those big changes this year so that's definitely where a lot of that revenue came from is simply because Facebook pages weren't getting the organic exposure anymore and they're forced to advertise instead you know when Google is a, if, if Google ever did something like that <laughs> the world would just flip it would go 8 <laughs> in seconds you know oh, zero people to six, already eight, go 8 for seconds. Google <laughs> incredible okay so Facebook is actively messing around with the number of times a uh, story or a brand might appear organically, thus, you know, sort of forcing publishers or um, brands into sponsoring or pushing their content further, boosting it, I believe they call it. Yes. Um, And they're trying to be a search engine, and we know that they will um, run what are now being called, quote-unquote, ethical experiments on their, uh, (laughs) on the emotions of their... Mommy, I get the sads whenever I do a search. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> there really was Facebook doing that. I mean, that, first of all, that they did it, and second of all, that they actually admitted it, and then tried to blow it off like it was no big deal. They, well, I, I, I know I they're being they investigated and stuff. They yeah, admitted it because they got caught, and then they tried to blow it off as if it was nothing, and then they tried to blow it off as if it was scientific, you know? Well, they're being investigated by a whole bunch of different people now. Um, for experimenting on people with that data, I'm trying I'm, to, you know, I'm, if they could 
influence. I think especially influencing people to be on, seeing more sad content. If it was all, we're trying to promote happy content, people would have been like, yay! But the fact that they were doing both ends of it was not so cool. Yeah, indeed. Actively depressing your audience. Mm-hmm. But you know what, Jen? Sometimes you got to do it. Now, for instance, friends... This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Jen Sense from the SEM Post. And we're sad to tell you that we have to take a break here on Webcology. But we have some wonderful commercial messages for you to listen to. So stick tight, friends. We're going to be coming back talking about a whole bunch of stories. It's the 24th of July, 2014. Uh, hey, hey, big important note here, friends. Summer's passing fast. Go out and enjoy it, eh? But before you do, stay tuned. we got more Webcology coming up after these messages. Sit tight and move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. As a business owner, you labor for the love of it, and you don't always have time to worry about your website. With GoDaddy Managed WordPress, you don't have to. Simply create your WordPress site or migrate an existing site. GoDaddy will handle the hosting, setup, backups, and security. And keep your site running at blazing speed so you can share your passion with your customers online. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter code MANAGE to get managed WordPress for $1 a month plus a free domain. Some limitations apply. See website for details. BubbleFast burst onto the e-commerce scene as a family-owned shipping supply provider back in 1999. The product line has grown, but Mark and Robin still own and operate BubbleFast as a family business. Being sellers themselves has taught them what online sellers need to safely and affordably deliver their products to their customers. BubbleFast is proud to be an active member of the community of online sellers. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at BubbleFast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the Bubble Fast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount. Or call Mark and Robin at 877-599-7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at Bubble Fast. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. We are rounding out the hour with guest host Jennifer Slake from the SEM Post. And uh, Jen and I have been like shooting messages back and forth in our uh, Skype chat room as we've been looking at 
another report from uh, Sir Jinjin Roundtable. So, hey, Barry, wherever you are out there, thanks, brother. We're cribbing from you again. Thank you. Um, Let's <laughs> do. Um, okay, like, all of us in our careers have faced one form of Google penalty or another, whether it be a simple demotion in ranking that can be fixed or a straight-out slap where you're suddenly gone. And when it happens to any of us, it's, uh, it's scary. It's impactful. But what about when it costs you hundreds of millions of dollars? I don't know about you, Jen, but a couple hundred million dollars, like whatever, 200 million dollars, and that's real money. Oh yeah, that's uh, that that's painful. That's stuff that uh, you have to disclose to you when you do all your earnings and everything to the board and your shareholders, and yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Okay, so this happened to eBay. Um, uh, their search visibility in Google, as reported by uh, by Search Metrics, has sort of plummeted by um, over fifty percent. Um, it's costing them in the in the realm, according to Danny Sullivan at Search Engine Land, according to his calculations, it's costing them in the realm of two hundred million dollars. And what do you do when you're standing in front of your board, or you know you're you're trying to phrase this to shareholders on a conference call? Like, if 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 you're the the the, the CFO of eBay, Bob Swan, what do you say? That's just like what oh. can you say? <laughs> I mean, I've had to explain some bad stuff to clients before, but oh my goodness. Having to explain a 200 millionaire is, you know, kind of a big deal. Okay, but was this a really huge error? What was it? What was the, the, the series of sins that eBay committed to cost them $200 million? Basically, they created a directory of, it was pretty much just doorway pages to keywords, and it would go to show results on uh, the eBay site. So it was kind of like static directory pages in a way. And the really funny part about it was that they named the directory uh, BHP, which, of course, everyone in, the, in our industry was like, oh, my God, they named it, you know, Black Hat Pages, <laughs> which was, you know, obviously very funny to a lot of us who were covering the story at the time. But it was... Yeah, it, the drop was like 80% or something. It was it was a huge, huge drop. Their visibility went, you know, from, oh, it was over 10 million to t- under 2 million or something. It was, it was huge. And, you know, we all saw them when they got slapped with it. Everyone was talking about it. And, you know, they've clearly not recovered. And they've actually lost even more traffic. They've dropped by another three quarters, it looks like, since the initial slap hit them in... I believe it was end of April or early May. That and yeah, 200 million. Ouch. <laughs> What's stunning. What's stunning. And you, you pointed this out to me in the, in, in our, in our private chat during, during the last commercial break. What's stunning is if you're looking at this chart on uh search engine round table, the, the, the Barry published on search engine round table. And you see that somewhere around um, November of 2012, eBay, yeah bottomed out in search visibility and they fought for like all, it, about a year a year and a half to get back and, they, and, they, and they, they got it back they fought back and they got way back up getting the rankings, getting the traffic and then boom that's not a, that's not a hockey stick, that's a cliff a chasm exactly. 
And yeah, and that was the exact same thing that happened to them in 2012. You can see pretty much overnight they got hit big time. So it's kind of amazing that knowing they'd been penalized for it before, supposedly, you know, there's no, really nothing else that can explain that kind of a significant drop. You'd kind of think they'd be a little bit more careful, especially when, you know, we're talking $200 million potentially on the line for it. You know, a few minutes ago, I was asking what their uh, chief financial officer, Bob Swan, would say. But, you know, uh, an even more relevant question to our audience is, um, what does the SEO manager or the person in charge of that project have to say? Um, or have they been heard from again? Yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know who's doing SEO at uh, eBay right now. Uh, if, I'm sure whoever it is is probably not announcing that they were the SEO but and it was a manual penalty. It wasn't just they got hit by, you know, Panda or Penguin or any of the algorithms that they. Oh do. no, there's a straight drop here. It was a conf- well, pretty much. We all speculate that it was a manual penalty that uh, was given to eBay with all those pages. To be less delicate about it, this was a hand job, power extraordinaire. Yeah. You can tell that <laughs> when you're looking at your when you're looking at your analytics. You can tell that. Um, when it's an algorithmic penalty, you can actually see sort of like an incremental drop in your rankings, and it's pretty substantial. It happens really fast, but a manual one happens in a second overnight. Boom, done. Yeah, pretty much. And the fact that uh, they're still dropping is not good. They're obviously not recovering very well. So for all of you um, SEOs out there who are so fond of sending um, the I can fix your website emails... <laughs> the fellow's name is Bob Swan. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you now. <laughs> Go for it. Do it now. I don't know. I don't know very many SEOs lost. that would want that job. Well, that's uh, well. I, I hope somebody gets it because I guarantee we just lost another sponsor potential. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you get the job, sponsor Webmaster Radio. And I'm so sorry, Brandy. <laughs> okay, we got time for one more. We got about five, six minutes left before the news comes up. And uh, where should we go, Jen? What was the um, guest host's choice? What do you want to talk about? Oh, dear. The pressure, the pressure. Uh, we talk about John Mueller talking about duplicate content. That's always fun, talking about what John Mueller's talking about. And he's a really yeah. cool guy, too, by the way. If you, anybody ever gets a chance, meet this fellow at a search conference. Go out of your way to meet this fellow. Way worth it. Yeah, he also hosts a ton of, they're called uh, office hours for uh, Google Webmasters. And he basically sits there and just answers questions for an hour or so. And he does this a few times a week. And you usually can see Barry Schwartz in there and asking questions as well. But they put all the videos up on YouTube. And even if you're working, you can stick one of the videos up. Uh-oh, have we lost Jen? I think Apparently we yes. have. As she was going to say, even if you're working, you can stick one of John's videos up. They're worth watching. They're, um, they're, 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 they're excellent. He speaks in plain English. And he really, really enjoys the industry. He enjoys talking to people. He enjoys explaining Google. And uh, he loves what he does. Now, we're going to talk about the effects of duplicate content. And I wish Jen was uh, on the line to, uh, to be a foil off. She'll be back in just a moment, I'm sure. Um... There's two main issues with duplicate content, uh, according to, um, again, Barry Schwartz's uh, um, reporting of a a call he had with John Mueller. And to quote, 
Um, first, Google's algorithms will choose one URL to show for the content in search. Maybe it won't choose the URL you'd choose. But if you have a preference, make it known through you know redirects using rel equals canonical, internal links, etc. Um, I think second, I'm back. <laughs> I think you're back too. Excellent. I was just reading um, what John had actually said about the effects of duplicate content in search. We went over the first point. Um, Google's algorithm will choose one URL. You gotta tell it either using again redirects, uh, rel equals canonical, internal links, etc. Second point he made: depending on the amount of duplication, is each piece like you know hosted two times, twenty times, two hundred times? It can happen then. In the process of crawling, it's just way too much for the server. You're, you're eating Google resources. Or that new updated content isn't picked up as quickly as it otherwise might be because there's 200 to choose from. And, it, you know, Google's got to make a decision. you got to get a hold of this stuff, friends, because, like, think of the scale Google works on. It gets offended when you waste its resources. <laughs> I mean, it's... Yeah. it's I think a lot of the advice we give out, Jen, could be, like, you know, summed up to that one little sentence. Don't waste Google's resources. And don't piss them off, too. <laughs> well, because that ticks them off. You know, <laughs> and, and I can't think of it for the scale. I, I, was, trying to, I was trying to do the, 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 the silly equation with my partner, Alan Connect, trying to figure out what does it cost to run a data center? How much electricity, you know? Um, how much does a, uh, does a machine cycle cost at Google? They actually, I'm pretty sure they have an article in like Wired magazine or something uh, a couple of years ago talking about their web servers and it has pictures of their data centers and stuff. And it was pretty interesting read. Uh, I remember seeing that. I remember seeing that. So what, I mean, they're always churning links. Google is constantly churning links and link valuation and such. Could you just imagine the cost, eh? Yeah, I mean, I know they're trying to find ways to, like, reduce the load. Like, there was a big push for the new image format that they want to do. And it's kind of like one of those things where every company is trying to push their own proprietary uh, image thing. But it can actually significantly reduce the load. And that's something they're using on YouTube now with the Mm -hmm. thumbnails. So, you know, this is the stuff that Google wants and needs to see partially because it's good webmastering and partially because it saves resources. And it's important important things to think about. Jen, we are cutting close to the edge. We've done a full hour of live radio. You've been an amazing guest, so I've got to say thank you so much. Oh, you're um, welcome. Before we go, any clues of interesting stuff coming up in the post? Oh, there's always interesting. We're gonna, you're going to see a bunch more of our new writers coming aboard in the next couple of weeks and some more coming on in September, kind of after the summer mayhem. And cause a lot of people are on vacation or recovering for people that are on vacation. But, yeah, you should see some interesting stuff coming up. That's a total tease. Come on, drop some names. <laughs> are, are, are you able to drop names or do you prefer not to? I mean, I don't want to put you in the position, but I do. <laughs> I prefer not to at this time. Fair enough. I might, I might tease them, but, yeah. Okay, friends, you've been listening to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. On behalf of Jennifer Slegg from the SEMPost.com, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. It is the 24th of July, 2014. Enjoy the summer before it's gone. We'll be back here in this place next week. Stay tuned to webmasterradio.fm. More great content after the news. This is...
This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.